Hi, HMCC of Tangrang and HMCC of Jakarta. It is a great joy to be able to share God's word with you. I hope all of you are doing well. Those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Seth. I'm the pastor at HMCC of Hong Kong, and I'm part of the GLT, which is our global leadership team, uh, along with Pastor Andrew and Pastor Pete and Pastor Ben. So it's just really exciting to be able to share things on uh, God's heart with you and things that God is doing in my life. And praise God for technology that we can actually communicate and use video in this way. So uh, I want to just kind of uh, introduce myself uh, through a picture. This is my family. As you look at this picture, you'll see my wife and my oldest son who graduated from college about two years ago. My second son, he is in, it's heading into his third year of college and um, uh, finish off third year. <laughs> and then my daughter, she's going to be entering as in first year in college. So it's a couple of year old picture. So that's us. And uh, it's, it's exciting to be able to actually preach to you because as some of you might have heard before, but my family and I and a team of maybe eight other people back in 2009, we uh, came to Indonesia to start HMCC of Jakarta, uh, right there in Tangerang. And here's a picture. It definitely looks much different. As you can tell, I had more hair, praise the Lord, and my kids were so much younger. But we started this church really believing that God is going to do something incredible in Indonesia, and He has been. And praise God, as we, uh, it sounds like you commissioned uh, Pastor John and his family, and then some other people who are going to be joining them as a team uh, to go into Bantan area and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God is doing some great things over there in Indonesia, and praise God. And another praise is that we have a lot of Indonesians in Hong Kong and in our church. So you'll see some of them during the holidays, as well as hopefully once they graduate and go back to Indonesia, uh, you get to meet many of these uh, former students that are here and now we'll be heading back. I'm gonna go ahead and share uh, on this topic of a tenacious trust, a tenacious trust that we need in our lives as we're walking with God. I'm gonna be looking at a passage that is very familiar to many of you. It's from the book of Proverbs chapter three, starting from verse five through verse eight. So if you wanna go ahead and turn to that, you can do that at this moment. But I wanted to start off and just simply ask a question. I'm wondering how many of you uh, how do how do you normally respond to people and to situations that are outside of your control? I want you to think about that for a moment. When there are situations or there are people in your life and things happen where they're outside of your control, how do you normally respond? If you're like me, I think sometimes it's easy to get angry. It's easy to get bitter. It's easy to start doubting and wondering, like, why, God, are all these things happening? And the thing about this is that all of us, we have this strong desire and a strong need for control. And the reason why it's rooted in a fear of the unknown. Whenever we're not sure about the future, when things before us are not very clear, then things like our security, our safety, and the things that we desire, those things then get into question. I think that's why all of us, we want to know. We want to be in control. I want to go ahead and show you this quick video uh, just to kind of start us off to thinking about this topic. Is that 
this video, just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, it, it's a prank that someone did, and it was actually a company that wanted to kind of advertise uh, their product. And so what they did was they went into the airport and they pretended to be a police authority to try to locate a person who is wanted by the authorities. So pretty much what they did was they took pictures of these people and then they started putting them on the TV and on newspapers. And what I want you to do is I want you to watch these innocent bystanders who have been pranked. I want you to watch their reaction as they finally realize that they're the ones that the authorities are looking for and it's completely out of their control. There's nothing that they can do about it in that moment. So I want you to watch their reaction. So let's watch this video together. Dringend gesucht wird diese Frau. Sie befindet sich seit gestern Vormittag auf der Flucht. Die Verdächtige ist ca. 1,65 Meter groß, hat dunkelblondes, lockiges Haar und trägt eine helle Jacke. Die Flüchtige gilt als unberechenbar und äußerst gefährlich. Bitte versuchen Sie nicht, die gesuchte Person festzuhalten oder gar anzuschauen. Für Hinweise zur Ergreifung der Verdächtigen wählen Sie bitte die unten eingeblendete Nummer. Wir melden uns wieder zu den Hauptnachrichten zu vollen Stunden und bis dahin noch einen schönen Tag. funny huh I, I don't know how you would have responded but I know for myself I would first kind of look confused not knowing exactly what's going on uh, because it's not in my control I didn't steal anything I didn't do anything wrong but you know this really describes a lot of us 
especially when, our, when there are things that we have no control over. And a strong desire to want to know what is going on. And I think there are a lot of moments in our lives that we go through. Just even look at this past year. Uh, some of us, we've been going through some difficult things in our homes and with our families, maybe even at work. And you have no control over those things. And the question is, do you have this tenacious faith that God so desires for us to have in our lives? I think when we respond in fear or in anger, confusion, oftentimes self-sufficiency, what we do is we say, you know what, because I'm not in control, I'm going to start taking control and I'm going to bring it into my own domain and I'm going to trust in myself and not trusting in God. I love what Tim Keller said in his book, The Prodigal's God. He writes this. He says, we must learn how to repent of the sin of seeking to be our own Savior and Lord. We must admit that we put our ultimate hope and trust in things other than God, and that in both our wrongdoing and rightdoing, we have been seeking to get God, uh, get around God or get control of God in order to get hold of those things. Isn't that amazing? A lot of times when we fail to trust in God, we turn to ourselves and we try to circumvent and go around God so that we ourselves can be God. Because once again, we want to be the ones in control. Do you have this kind of tenacious faith, not in yourself and trust in the things around us, but our trust in God and God alone? So I want to talk about the importance of having this tenacious trust in God. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this. It is life will become a, an adventure when we trust God with our future. That life will become an adventure as we trust God with our future. I want to highlight two things for us in this passage in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. Two things that talk about how life can really be an adventure. It can be exciting, the things that God wants to do in your life if we will fully just trust in Him with our future. The first thing is simply this, that we must be hopeful in God. That we must be hopeful in God. If you really want to experience life as an adventure and trusting God with our future, then we have to be hopeful in God. Let me go ahead and read verse 5 and 6 in this passage uh, that is familiar with many of you. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says this, Trust in the Lord, with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So clearly, we see here in the book of Proverbs that the writer of Proverbs tells us the importance of learning how to put our hope in God and God alone. There are a couple things that we notice about this, of being hopeful in God. The first thing is this, we have to be dependent on God. If you want to have hope in the midst of situations that are outside of your control and things are very difficult that some of you are facing right now, you have to be dependent on God. How would you define trust? That word we use so often, and we say it in our prayers, but how do you define that? According to Merriman uh, Webster's Dictionary, the word trust is defined in this way. First of all, A, it is defined as assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. The second part of that definition is one in which confidence is placed. 
The third aspect of that definition is dependence on something future or contingent. So just from this dictionary definition, you will notice that it really entails, trust entails being able to have confidence in someone because of who they are and what they're able to do. That's why when we think about our relationship with Christ and our relationship with God the Father, we could define it as it's really about trust. Do you trust God? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ? That's why our belief in who He is, our trust and our understanding of His character and how He deals with us, all those things are so very important for us to understand that trust is a vital part to our relationship with Him. If you believe that God is good and powerful, then what normally happens? Then you're going to be able to trust more. If you have unbelief of God's goodness and you don't really believe that God in his character of his love for you, then therefore then it becomes harder to trust. This is why I think it's so critical that we have this proper view and this correct view of who God is. That's why we have to keep on growing in our understanding of God and our experience of who He is and His actions towards us. Do you remember the passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 28? This is what it says. I'm going to read it from the message translation. It says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Did you get that? That every single detail of our lives, because God is working for our good. That's why the Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs gives this qualifier, trust in the Lord. And I want you to look at that word, the phrase that says, with all your heart. It has this connotation of complete, utter confidence and reliance upon God. Also look at verse 5 again. You will notice that the exhortation of leaning not on our own understanding. This happens when we have a hard time uh, trusting in God. When, when we lean on our own understanding, it's because we're not trusting in God. I think this is when we begin to revert to trusting in ourselves, our own wisdom, our own ideas, our own strength, rather than turning to God. That's why I really believe the sin of self-sufficiency is an affront to God. And I think just living out here in Asia, I'm seeing that more and more where so many of us are so dependent and self-sufficient on ourselves. And therefore, there is no room for us to trust in God. It is only when things get very difficult, when things are outside of our control, when we finally say, God, I need you. That's why I'm wondering sometimes, maybe possibly, some of us are going through what we're going through because God is trying to help you to trust in Him more and more. I think what we need to be reminded of is this one truth, that God is wiser than us, that He's greater than us, that He's bigger than us. If you remember in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, I'm going to read it from the message translation. Listen to what it says. I don't think the way you think. This is God speaking now. He says, the way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. 
this, this is why if you want to increase your trust in God, you have to rewire your brain to have this correct view and understanding of God. How about us this morning? Do you have this kind of trust? Do you really believe that His way is higher than your ways? Do you understand that maybe some of the things that are outside of your control is God's way of trying to teach you to trust in Him? So once again, to really live this life and see it as an adventure, as we trust God with our future, we have to be hopeful in God. And one of the ways to be hopeful is to be dependent on God. Another thing is to be directed by God. If you want to be hopeful in God, you got to be not only dependent on God, but you got to be directed by God. In verse 6, we see that if we acknowledge God, it says here, He will make our path straight. I want you to look at that word, acknowledge. That word is understood in another translation, the New Living Translation. It says, seek His will in all you do. So pretty much everything that you do, it's about seeking His will seeking Him, acknowledging Him, uh, recognizing Him, that He is the one who's control of your life. He is the one who's there to help you through the difficulties and the hardships of life. I think one of the reasons why we start to lose hope in our lives is because instead of seeking God's will, we're seeking our own will. When we allow God to have His way, as we seek after His will, then what's happening is that He's going to direct us. He's going to guide us. And this is why we flourish in our lives. Just, just think about your life right now. Some of you who are going through some of the difficulties, maybe uncertainties of the future, are you allowing Him to guide you and direct you? Maybe some of you who are serving in the church, and maybe some of us are getting discouraged or losing hope. Are you allowing God to direct you and lead you? Or are you just saying yes to everything? I think this verse, or the, even this passage that we've been reading so far, I think it's so appropriate in light of everything that's been happening this past year and a half. I've been talking to a lot of different pastors and uh, just different people in our church, and every single one of them said there was no way we would have been able to predict anything like COVID-19. No one would have noticed. We would have never been able to imagine something like this. In fact, even in our church, we were planning in this five-year vision. We were talking about things we want to do in the future. And then COVID hits. And it almost seems as if everything started shutting down. We had to go through just live uh, streaming. Uh, sometimes we were recording it and to, to play it. And there were so many things going on. And they were outside of our control. But the more I began to reflect this past year, one of the amazing things that began to happen was that as I've been talking to even other pastors here in Hong Kong, uh, many of the bigger churches, because they, their main gathering is on Sunday, they were sharing how some of them had started losing some of their members. But one of the things that we began to notice, and I think this is true in many of the HMCC churches, is that because there's a strong emphasis in life group. There's a strong emphasis in gathering together in smaller communities to practice the one another's. One of the things that we've been seeing in this past year is that we have actually seen people come to Christ. We have seen our church grow. It, it's almost as if God was positioning us for this very moment. We would have never imagined it. I think we would have gone into so many other directions. But God was reminding us to keep what's important important. It's about lives. It's about the gospel. It's about transformation. 
It's about loving people around us. All the things that we started our church here in Hong Kong, God was reminding us that we need to keep on doing more of those things and that He will bring the blessing. It's a lesson that we had to learn uh, over and over again. That's why Psalm 37 verse 5 says this. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. I love the message translation of it. It says this, open up before God, keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll do whatever that needs to be done. Because it's all about Him. It's about His glory, not ours. How about us this morning? Do you have this kind of hope in God? I'm wondering if you don't, maybe there's areas of your life that you're not depending on God. Or you're not allowing God to direct you in your life. Which then means that when you look at your life, life is not an adventure. And this unknown future, you can't trust Him for that because you want to be in control. I'm wondering if you're hopeful in God. I pray that you will be. So once again, we have to be hopeful in God. Let me close out with the second point. The second point is simply this. Not only must, be, must we be hopeful in God, but the second point is that we must be humble before God. That we must be humble before God. Let's go ahead and read verse 7 and 8. It says this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's kind of interesting that the writer of Proverbs, after he is talking about being dependent on God and being directed by God, now he's talking about the heart of humility. And it says here in verse 7 and 8, he clearly states this importance of humility by using the phrase, be not wise in your own eyes. Listen to some of the other translations of that phrase. It says this, the New Living Translation. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. The message translation says, don't assume that you know it all. See, the problem with many of us when it comes to situations in our lives is we assume that we know God. So in many ways, it's really prideful for us to kind of say we're so wise in, our, in ourselves and we know all these things, but in reality, we don't. Our wisdom pales in comparison to the wisdom of God. Our knowledge in this world and of situations around us don't even compare to the knowledge that God has of the whole universe. And until we see that it's God who has to work in our lives, as He humbles us, as He shapes us, sometimes breaks us first and reshapes us, molds us, and to make us more like Him. We're not going to be able to experience this fullness of life that God has. You know, uh, just not too long ago, as I was thinking through this, I realized it's really easy to get proud. It's just in any moment. There are times when I go just throughout the day where I'm just walking and it's a busy place here in Hong Kong. And it's easy to think that I'm better than that person. And especially if they bump me in the train or something, I'm like, who are you? And it's the same way when you work with people. There are times when people are kind of slow in getting things done. And it's easy to say, why aren't you doing this? When you forget 
that there are times in my own life that I haven't been faithful to certain things that God wanted me to do or I was responsible to take care of. And so what happens is that we get so focused on how ourselves and the situation that we forget that God's grace in our lives. And so that's why instead of getting humble and being humble, we get proud very easily. I love what M. Craig Barnes said in his book, When God Interrupts. Listen to what he says. He says, The deep fear behind every loss is that we have been abandoned by the God who should have saved us. That transforming moment in Christian conversion comes when we realize that even God has left us. We then discover it, it was not God, but our image of God that abandoned us. Only then is change possible. What a great quote. That unless we get rid of this image of what we think or who we think God is and what He should do, we're never going to experience that deep transformation. Can I ask you, what is the image of God that you've held on to? Maybe that's the reason why it's hard for you to be hopeful and to even be humble before Him. Maybe some of us have thought that God has to bless me. And what we forget is that He doesn't have to bless you. He doesn't have to bless any of us. What if some of you thought to yourself, if I could only serve and do all this stuff, then God will work in this way. God will help me to get marriage or married and God will help me to get that job. God will help me in that situation, in my marriage and other things that I'm facing. And the thing is that God doesn't owe us anything. So until that image of God that we think that He should work a certain way is abandoned and destroyed, then we come to that place where we say, God, there's nothing that I can do, that I can earn, or I could try to work for, but anything that I receive is purely by your grace and your grace alone. Isn't that the gospel message? That you and I, we have sinned against God and we've fallen short of His glory. That what we do deserve is His wrath. But God in His infinite wisdom and His grace and mercy towards us, He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross so that we can experience life, eternal life forevermore. And all we could do is humble ourselves and put our hope and trust in that gospel message to say, Jesus, you're all that I need and you're all that I want. Then we see here this command of fearing God and turning away from evil. And it's interesting how often these two things are linked uh, you could do your own study, but I want you to understand that this command of fearing God and turning away from evil, you'll see this time and time, they're, they're linked together. When you fear God, you want to turn away from things that are not of Him. So when we depend on ourselves, not in God, we don't fear God, we just fear all this other stuff, people, situations then it's very difficult to turn away from evil because, in fact, we want to turn more towards it. I think that's why having humility before God will help us to turn more towards God. We'll see a greater need for Him. We see this in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 
in the New Living Translation, it says this, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So what are the results of humbling ourselves before God? What are the results of fearing God and turning away from evil? Well, we see that in verse 8. This is so important. I want you to, I want you to listen and read along with me in verse 8. It says that there's going to be healing and a work that's going to happen inside of us. I'm going to read it in two different translations. And in the yellow sections, I want you to just say those words out loud right there in front of your camera. If you just say it out loud uh, with me, it says this in the NIV. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Did you see that? Listen to this other translation in the New Living Translation. It says this, when you, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. When we humble ourselves before God, turn away from your evil because we fear Him, then what it does is it gives us strength. And not only strength, but it's going to refresh us. That's what hope is really about. When circumstances, situations, things are difficult, when we have this true hope that's found in Jesus Christ, that's when we can find the strength. That's when, that's when we can be refreshed because we're dependent on Him because He's guiding us, directing us. How about us this morning? I'm just wondering, are you walking in humility before God? Maybe some of us right now are feeling just a lack of strength. We have no motivation. Maybe you're not fearing God. You haven't turned from evil. Maybe for some of us, we're turning to ourselves. We're not dependent on God. And so as we humble ourselves and put our hope in God and God alone, we're going to be able to experience this incredible life, a life of adventure, as we trust Him with our, with our future. Let me just close with this. The more I think about my life, I, I, th I think about just all the years of God's faithfulness to me. One of the things that we're going to, as you get older, you start realizing is that you're not that great. And there are many times when you want to love God and you want to obey God, but it's difficult. And it's easy to turn to ourselves. It's easy to rebel against God. But this is where the gospel message comes in once again. Is that while we were hopeless, Jesus Christ came and gave us that hope. While we were rebellious and saying, I don't need God. And in our pride, God came and served us as he came in the form of a man. He crushed our pride as we began to see that that should have been our cross, that we should have been hung on that tree, but he did it for us. That's why the gospel says, even though your heart is like that, that Jesus Christ, because of his love for us, as he offers us forgiveness, that he took our place. This is the reason why we can find true hope and we can trust him, not because we're doing something, but God reminding us of the sacrifice. And now we're able to move forward 
and to fully put our trust in Him as He holds on to us. So the one thing, once again, is that life will become an adventure when we trust God with our future. Can I just give us some practical next steps? You hear a message like this, and then what do we do uh, right after this? I, I want us to really apply the Word of God into our lives. The first thing is this. Stay committed to the process. It's so easy to kind of pull yourself away and say, this, this is too hard. But remember, it's a process. You don't trust God one day, and then you're trusting Him for the rest of your life. You're going to trust in Him, and then you're going to trust in yourself. You're going to trust in Him because of things that have happened in your life, and you're going to turn to other things. So it's a process of learning to become more like Jesus Christ. Stay committed to the process. The second thing is this. Spend time with God. There is nothing more greater than to be able to know God more, to be able to understand who He is. Remember we talked about knowing His character? That shapes the way we view things and see things, whether we trust in ourselves or to God. So spend time with them. Continue to do your soap. Continue to pray. Continue to just take the time to meditate on the Word of God. The third thing is this. Surround yourself with hopeful people. Man, I don't know about you, but like we all know that one or two people in our lives that are very pessimistic. And they're always seeing the negative. They're always seeing the cup half full Uh or half empty instead of half full. You know those people. And sometimes when you're surrounded by those negative people, it's easy for you to start complaining. It's easy for you to start getting discouraged. So find those people who are hopeful in God. They're a little bit more optimistic. They have a big view of God and they believe that God can do amazing things. Start surrounding yourself with some of those people and let some of their positivity rub off you and pointing back to who Jesus Christ is. And the fourth and last thing is this. Share praises with others. Share praises with others. There is nothing greater, I believe, that will help you to change your perspective, especially when things are hard and you feel like giving up and you, you feel like, I don't want to trust God anymore, is to be able to share some praises. When you share praises, what happens is you start getting more grateful and thankful for who He is, what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And that's when you're going to be able to say, I'm going to trust in God once again. I'm going to go ahead and close out my sermon here with another video. And just to cue it up, this, this video is really about forgiveness, where two people came together. Uh, if you want to look at it, 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 it was the sovereignty of God through a tragedy. But both of them had to trust in God. Both of them had to believe that God was fully in control. Both of them experienced pain. But God used this for something greater so that His name can be glorified. So I want you to watch this story and then we'll come back and close out. You see, if, when we, prefer to, we prefer to wait until we feel like forgiving. But if we do that, then our lives are dictated by our feelings. At the fire department, we work 24-hour shifts. And that particular day, we didn't get hardly any sleep. It was literally like three or four seconds to nod off and to cross the center line and, and to meet the other car. To forgive us. We don't think it's fair. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. I'm supposed to be a helper, the EMT and the paramedic and the fireman that, that helps in these tragic situations. And here I am, caused this. 
See, forgiveness makes us victorious. Two men of service, one a pastor, the other a rookie firefighter, forever bound in tragedy. For them, it's hard to believe over a decade has passed. I can still see it, I can still smell it, the horrendous noise and the glass breaking. When the grief counselor approached in the hospital, Eric Fitzgerald knew his wife, June, was gone leaving their 19-month-old daughter, Faith, without a mom. Faith's just sitting there playing on the little hospital bed with the, the nurse, and of course she sees me and just reaches out. I don't know what she understood, really, but she crawled into my lap, and she just went to sleep. And I was thankful, because uh, I didn't have to pretend that everything was okay. <clears throat> and I was at the hospital and a police officer came in and he said, uh, I don't know if anyone's told you, but June didn't make it. And then he also told me, he said, and by the way, she was seven months pregnant and the baby didn't make it either. Eric, you had the opportunity to really say to the judge, you know what, I think this guy deserves some hard time. What did you do? I remember somebody said this in a, in a sermon. In moments where um, tragedy happens or, or even hurt, that there's opportunities to demonstrate grace or to exact vengeance. And I chose to demonstrate grace. The men knew of each other but endured their grief apart until the two-year anniversary of June's death. Matt Swatzel had stopped by the grocery store to buy a condolence card for Eric when he spotted him in the parking lot. Eric starts walking out of the grocery store and starts walking towards my truck. What do you see in the window? He was just, just bawling. Yeah. And um, so I just walked up and I just hugged him. Um, I mean, it, you know, what do you say? You know, something, sometimes things are best said with no words. That hug must have felt like someone had just put a pin in two years of pressure. That was the, uh, the biggest relief I'd ever felt. He just said from the start that he forgave me and uh, just hearing him say those words, um, it just impacted my, my life completely. They talked for two hours that day, and where you might imagine the relationship would end. I said, man, I don't know what you're gonna say to this. I said, but I just feel like in my spirit that I'm supposed to stay connected to you somehow. And he's like, dude, I, I feel the same way. We knew it was something special. We just had this instant bond it's unexplainable. It's just easy to talk to each other. Man, look at that man. deliciousness. We just talk about life, you know, just how we're doing and just moving forward. And he said, look, don't let this define you. Meeting with Eric, it gave me hope that we're going to be okay. Sports Illustrated, baby. Oh. As the years unfolded, strangers became friends and something even more. I'm witnessing a little bit of a miracle with you two sitting here together. There's a bond that we have um, that's unexplainable. He's like a big brother to me. You know, we have a lot of fun together, you know, as weird as it may sound and, and crazy, but we do. It's, it's unique. I can't say, hey, this is a beautiful story and it's got a great ending. It doesn't. It's nasty. It's real and it's something that I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life.
both men view their friendship as a sign from above. Another sign? Years later, Eric remarried and was expecting a child. The baby was born on the same due date as the son he'd lost. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Eric practices what he preaches and raised his daughter Faith to choose love over anger. So next year, that means you're going to play varsity. Most likely. Yeah. Maybe I usually just say my mom got in a car accident. I just don't want people to think that Matthew's a bad person because he isn't. He just made a mistake. I just want her to know that she's loved. She's not alone. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Throughout her whole life, I'll be there for her. No matter what. So just seeing Faith, you know, holding my kids, it puts a smile on my face. It hurts, but it's the cards that we were dealt, and, and now it's our story together. It reminds me that there's grace, and there's hope, and there's good. I mean, June's in heaven, you know, and, and one day, you know, we'll get to all kind of hang out. And so, you know, God's a big God, and uh, I think that's going to be a great day one day. Wasn't that encouraging? The power of the gospel to be able to forgive and to be able to trust God for the future, even though it's unknown. I pray that for you. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I believe by faith that God is going to help you. So can I just pray for us? And then after I pray, we're going to go ahead and dismiss you into your specific location to close out. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every single person was able to watch this video and to listen to the sound of my voice. Lord, I just pray that no matter where they are, some of them are in some difficult situations. Some of them are in crossroads of their lives to make decisions. Some of them might be confused, unsure. Some of them, it's hard for them to trust. Some of them might even have a difficult time just getting out of the rut that they're in. But I'm praying that as we look to you and look to this gospel message that gives us life, that we want to believe by faith that, God, when we put our hope in you and as we humble ourselves before you, that you are going to do some radical things, Lord. Lord, we don't want to live life trusting in ourselves, but we want to live life trusting in you. And so when we can fully trust in you with our future, then we know that life will become this incredible adventure. Help us to live it with that kind of faith, that kind of tenacious faith, tenacious trust to look to you for all things. So thank you so much. Bless HMCC of Tangerang. Bless HMCC of Jakarta. I pray for blessings over every single person. And Lord, that they will experience the joy of the gospel and of knowing you. So thank you so much. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So at this time, I want to go ahead and just dismiss you and then each of the locations will close out. So God bless you. Hope to see you at another time.